Liberty Hawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawk fans, welcome back to another episode of the Seahawk Playbook Podcast. I'm sitting down with co-host Keith Myers. My name is Bill Alpstead. Welcome into the show, Keith. It's our first in a series of looks at the 2023 NFL Draft prospect um, prospect looks and players as we as we look at the quarterback position. Uh, will be our first uh, position group up for discussion. Welcome in. Yeah, and so the quarterback something we've already kind of looked at a little bit because we talked about um, what Geno Smith's contract might look like, what we hope it will look like, um, and a little bit about, well, okay, if not Geno, who? Um, but this is more of a draft look. Uh, I mean, we'll mention some other players, but we really want to get into what, uh, what, what the draft looks like as far as quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that so far, at least in my research, um, there's a consensus like top four quarterbacks in the draft, but some of those quarterbacks are uh, top of one person's list on another person's list. That quarterback that was at the top is quarterback number three or four. Um, And so I'm not exactly sure that uh, every big board out there has reached a consensus on the true number one, except for maybe Bryce Young in, in most boards. Now, if you go look at NFL mock draft database, their big board has CJ Stroud at the top. Um, Which is new. It was not that long as Bryce Young at the top. Um, yeah. So it exactly. just goes to show you where people move around. Right. So I thought, you know, since this part of it is going to go out of the way fairly quickly. Now, this is a Seahawks show, obviously, but we're going to talk about uh, NFL quarterbacks in general and um, options available for the Seahawks include free agents. I'll just throw this out there right now. It's not a great list. Geno's close to the top of that list uh, combined with uh, Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones. After that, it's just a hodgepodge of journeyman. Uh, Which is all it ever is. Around. Yeah. Exactly. Unless, unless, you know, and then you've got guys that might be moved like um, Carr. Uh, in Vegas, who's likely yeah. actually to be moved because they benched him and said they were done with them. Um, yep. So there are there, there there might be some other mo- movement, but that's usually going to require some draft capital. You're going to have to trade for him, that kind of yeah, thing. Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, et cetera. They're going to franchise Lamar Jackson. Now they may end up trading him out of that franchise tag, but they're going to franchise him. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, but that doesn't seem to fit Seattle's timeline and budget. Um, to go with a guy like that that's established, that's ready to win right now. I just see a diminishing quarterback there and the value doesn't line up for me and the timeline with Pete Carroll and stuff. It just doesn't seem like a great fit. None of these quarterbacks really in the free agent market end up being a great fit except for Geno Smith, really. Uh, Geno fits the Seahawks, the Seahawks fit Geno. It seems like a logical marriage. Um, but we just don't know what the contract's going to be. If it's reasonable, I'm going to say under 25 
and they can make it fit on the in the first year uh, with the salary cap, I see the Seahawks signing Geno Smith. Absolutely, that seems I do too. To me, to be the, the way to um, go, but that does not prevent them from drafting a quarterback. I see a lot of chatter out there, especially on Twitter, with Seahawk fans saying, "Let's just sign Geno. We don't have to worry about the quarterback in the draft." That's not necessarily true. I don't believe that to be true either, because what you have with Gino is a guy who um, we have one half of a year where he was phenomenal. Then the second half of this last year where he came back down to earth and previously in his career, he was not a starting caliber player. Um, And so we get a chance now. I mean, we need at least another year to kind of evaluate that, but um, what does that get, what does that end up doing, right? You, if you are going to go all in on Geno Smith and give him a four-year, $160 million deal the way SpotRack says that um, a team should, then you're you're basically if, uh, hamstringing the franchise financially for a guy that, honestly, he's old enough and the track record's not there. Like, you're, this is not, not a good pick. That's not a good way to, to run a run a franchise. So, um, but you know what? You keep the number down, make it you know, twenty five million a year, make the first year fifteen. Um, as far you know, and stretch the cap stuff out a little bit. And uh, he's a really enticing option for Seattle, who has a lot of other needs and doesn't really, you know, um, they're not like one player away. And there's and there's only two or three quarterbacks in this draft that are ready to go right out of the gate. And depending on which team they line, uh, land with, uh, some of the teams at the top that are quarterback needy, especially ones that are going to be up there or trying to trade up into the first two or three spots, are teams that are going to struggle out of the gate with those first-year quarterbacks. Uh, Seattle's kind of in a unique situation, especially if it can sign Geno Smith, one of the viable free agent quarterbacks out there that can lead a team. We've seen him lead a team into the playoffs with a not a complete roster around him. If you add to that roster and and make it Mm -hmm. a little bit more of a complete team, uh, Gino may be able to lead them, you know, as far as maybe the NFC championship game. I don't know. Um, But it's, it's, it's possible. I think with, I think if they, if they improve the defense to a point where it took, takes a bunch of pressure off Gino, that because I because when he when he started to struggle down the stretch and I was thinking about this um since our last show and I'm like when he started to struggle it was when the pressure was on because now everyone that considered the Seahawks a playoff team but the defense was still not playoff caliber and so he was pressing and it, it can be argued away that that he 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 was taking on all the pressure himself whereas if you improve the defense to a point where you don't have to put up 30 to win Maybe he goes back to being the Gino in the first half of the season where there were no expectations. Yeah, if you put if you align Gino with several other quarterbacks, playoff worthy quarterbacks, quarterbacks that made the playoffs this year, and you take a look at the the defensive rankings for most of those teams, most of those teams had better defenses, and and I think that that you're onto something there with regards to it being a complete uh, team roster game. And if we had a better defense, uh, especially, you know, with turnovers and, and stopping teams and generating more opportunities for the offense, I think that, um, that Gino looks even, even a little bit better. Um, so let's kind of go through this. Let's set the free agency stuff aside. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that in future episodes, and we definitely will. 
Let's move on to the NFL draft. Everybody wants to talk about it. Nobody really knows what to do. We know if if Seattle uh, doesn't sign Geno and they go down the road of signing a Gardner Mishu or Andy Dalton or Daniel Jones or some other guy that's just a guy, we know that they're likely going to turn to the draft to kind of help solve their quarterback problem. So there's that. And then there's the option where Gino gets re-signed and we have an opportunity to draft a guy, maybe not in the top five, maybe it's a little later in the draft, to come in and uh, spend a year uh, below Gino, acclimate in the NFL and be ready to compete in 2024, may not end up having the job or depending on what the contract looks like with Gino. Um, But nonetheless, I think Seattle would be wise to invest in that opportunity. So let's go through the list, Keith, and just kind of establish what you think of that prospect, where they might fall in the draft if Seattle's interested. And as we move deeper into the list, maybe we can, maybe we can figure out if it's a good fit or not. Yeah. So I think at the top um, of the draft, most people would put Alabama's Bryce Young. The guy is, you watch his tape and he is, he is what you want out of a quarterback. He gets the ball out super quick. He's smart with the ball. He reads defense as well. He knows what defenses are doing before the ball is snapped. He's got a live arm as far as getting the pass there. He's super accurate. He's kind of everything that you want, except for the fact that he's tiny. Yeah. Um, and I don't just mean like short, because I know that was a five eleven one ninety five. But he's not he's not built out the way Russ was because Russ was like two twenty. Um and Bryce Young is skinny. And yes. as we've seen with players like Tua and um, some other guys, guys that are that just aren't that big, the NFL, you take a beating. And even though they protect the quarterbacks now more than they ever have in the past, you still end up taking a beating. And yeah, Skinny so ankles, some, skinny knees, skinny shoulder joints, you know, all yep. that comes into play. And it's just, it is hard, Keith. Well, you know what the, the big knock um do you remember what the big knock on Geno Smith was when he was coming out? Skinny knees. So (laughs) interesting. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it sounds weird when you, when you say it out loud, but it is true. It's a factor and it's, it is a factor with Bryce Young. I love everything about his game. You mentioned all the things that are, um, that are on his uh, positive list, the instincts, Mm -hmm. the feel, the, the ability to put a ball into a small window, uh, to be able to lead, uh, wide receivers open, um, give them yards uh, after catch possibilities and so forth. He's just excellent at all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool under pressure, you know, the kind of quarterback that you want, uh, especially so, if you're Alabama leading your team. Go ahead. So years ago, evaluating quarterbacks, there was a guy who um, I watched his tape and I'm like, this guy is absolutely a first round pick, maybe the first overall pick in the draft if he wasn't so damn short and but he was at K the Seahawks drafted him his name is Russell Wilson um but I was very much against the idea of drafting Wilson because I'm like there is a minimum as far as the height and Wilson of course made me look stupid and I'm happy to admit that um CJ Stroud looks like Russell Wilson did at Wisconsin. He really is 
everything you want. I said CJ Stroud. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes while I'm talking. Bryce Young is really that. Um, what we saw in Wilson in his Wisconsin tape. Uh, small guy, but has everything you could possibly want. Um, but again, yeah. small guy. Yeah. yeah, that's really the only knock is his size. Yep. Um, you know, and, and in 2021, he had an even better uh, output than he did in 2022. Ended up winning the Heisman with mm-hmm. 4,800 yards and 47 touchdowns. I mean, kid was just a, a crazy, amazing, productive player. Um, smart. He's going to do well. He's going to interview well. Uh, teams are going to fall in love with this player. I just don't know at the top, at the draft, when it comes right down to it, and you got to turn in the card if that size is going to affect his draft stock or not. At this point, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say uh, no. But, um, but that that could definitely change, uh, depending on the team, depending mm-hmm. on the you know the fit, the uh, the scheme, the coaching, this and so forth. So yeah, there might be, be a co- very interesting. There might, there might be a coaching staff or a GM that just says no because of mm-hmm. the size, um, and they're going to look stupid. Yeah, I years. don't. Yeah, I don't see Bryce Young <laughs> getting out of the top ten, but he is a top ten talent. Oh, Seattle could be in the, play for that. Get, he's not going to get out of the top five. Would you, if you're Seattle, is he on your, uh, is he on your big board? He is. And he's, why would why would John Schneider and Pete Carroll like CJ or not CJ Stroud, uh, Bryce Young? See, now you did it too, right? Say the wrong player name. <laughs> I'm ready talking to go. About I'm ready one, to go down the list. But we're both ready for the our notes for the next one. Um, no, why would I mean because he's everything that you want, and you have already shown with Wilson that size. Yeah, but there's size, a difference between size and and body I know. type. I I think that you've seen that you can make it work, um, and you've also changed philosophies a little bit with Wilson. You knew he could take a hit. You knew you could deal with that. Um, we would. They went cheap on the offensive line and let Wilson make up for it. Now they started investing in the offensive line. And I think if you um, are drafting Bryce Young, you're going to continue that trend. You're going to continue to dra- um, to invest in the offensive line. And Young's going to end up with a, a significantly better line in front of him than Wilson ever had. And with that, you're going to uh, um, say that he's going to take a lot fewer hits and therefore his durability is going to last. Um, It'll be very interesting for Bryce Young. Of course, if Seattle doesn't take him, it's going to be interesting for me to see where he lands and how he does, because he's not going Carolina to end up at nine. likely ending up on a better um, roster. You know, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, Atlanta, his best case scenario is actually probably Seattle. Well, for um, any of these quarterbacks, their best case scenario is going to be Seattle because top, top 10. Yeah. Because in in the top ten, you don't have good teams. Right. You've got you've got bad teams. Teams like um, uh, Indy and the uh, Texans, and you know those are the teams that need quarterbacks, and they're not good franchises. They're they're their right. rosters are bad. Seattle's a playoff team. Yeah. And if you can get onto a Seattle team that runs the ball well, that next year hopefully is going to play better defense and and that kind of stuff, and you're on a playoff caliber roster with all the talent around them, like that's a great situation. And so, yeah, it's going to be like, find me a better spot for any of these guys to land in the top 10. All right. I'm going to give you permission now to talk about CJ Stroud. All right. CJ Stroud is kind of my number one. 
And the reason why he's my number one is because he doesn't have the problem that Bryce Young has. And that's really small. CJ Stroud is huge. Um, he's big. He's strong. He's fast. He's an athlete. He's also accurate. He um, completes the completes deep balls as well as anybody in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, his it just there literally is not a big weakness in his game. I don't think he's as accurate as Bryce Young, but I also don't think any quarterback that's come out of the draft in the last three or four he's years darn, is as accurate. Yeah, accurate. He's pretty darn he, accurate. I mean, in 2021, he, he had 4,400 yards, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions, mm-hmm. uh, completing the close to 70% of 72% of his passes this year. He was 66%, 3,600 yards, 41 touchdowns, six interceptions. That's pretty accurate and, and yeah. accurate enough. And you mentioned everything else. He's got all the intangibles. He's, he's the most well-rounded, complete quarterback in this draft, I believe. When you take a look, when you add the, the size factor in 6'3", 215, more of a prototypical guy, he's a guy that looks to pass first, not a, not a traditionally uh, active guy running the ball. He can run the ball. He's athletic enough. He's projected to run a 4'6", 540 fast enough in the NFL. That was about where Russell Wilson was, just to give you an idea. Yeah, um, um, Stroud can run, but he does, he's not a running quarterback. Correct. Right. And this is this, this honestly, that's a great description of Geno Smith. He can run, but he's not a running quarterback. Um, he has yes. that athleticism, but yeah. he is, but he, his instincts aren't to pull the ball down and run at every opportunity. Yeah. Um, great point. And, um, I, I, here's the rub on, on Stroud. And it was the same exact rub I had with Fields a few years ago, also Ohio State. His receivers are better than any cornerbacks they played against. His offensive line is better than any of the defensive lines they faced, um, except for in the college simple. football playoff. Um, and he's throwing to a lot of wide open wide receivers. Is what he's throwing to a lot of wide open guys. And even when he does throw the throw a contested ball, he's throwing it to someone who's significantly more talented than the person they're up against in that jump ball situation. It's makes it hard to evaluate a quarterback yes, when their when the talent around them is so much better than the talent on the other team. And uh, you've, got, you've got to look at at also what the scheme and what the coaching staff is asking for that from that player mm-hmm. uh, in in this particular situation. You know yeah. they run a lot of uh, quick looks, single look uh, reads. Not asked to do a lot of the line of scrimmage as far as diagnosing. That's a lot of that is done on the sideline for him. As opposed to uh, a couple of other players, I'm going to talk about here in, in a minute. Um, so, and and that's a factor. So there's a there's a transit. That's why these quarterbacks have a difficult time in in the NFL initially. Is there's a transition period where uh, most NFL offenses are going to ask quite a bit more from their quarterbacks initially, right out of the gate on changing uh, plays at the line of scrimmage, reading defenses to know uh, if you're in the right sets or not. Uh, of course, you're getting communication in the, in the helmet uh, during the first 15 uh, seconds of, of every play. But after uh, the clock reaches 15 on that countdown, that that thing goes off and you've got to be able to um, think on your feet and act quick. Yeah, there's so, a lot of stuff you've, you've got to do. You can't look at the sidelines and get the answers for you. Um, exactly. That it, and this is why we've seen a lot of players not um, transition to the NFL instantly because that's the kind of stuff they have to learn. Yes. Um, I think Bryce Young is ready to to play on week one. Um, 
I think CJ Stroud athletically can get it done in week one. Yeah. Um, and he I can think make he's, all the shown, throws he's, whatever. he's smart enough. He's an intelligent player. I think yeah. he's shown enough to where that that learning curve will be there. But I think that he's a quarterback that you could look at on this list. And I'm not saying you can rule out that he's going to be a bust. I'm just saying that um, he's got the it's, tools in the toolbox. Yeah. He just needs to be able to to go in and, and work for hard him and get it done. For him, and there's there's zero reason to think that he doesn't have the work ethic. But for him, it's a matter of he's got to put in the work in the film room, and um, and 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 on the practice field and learn. He's just got to what he was expected to do in college and what he's going to expect to do in the NFL are different things. Um, there's another, there's a whole nother level for him. I don't have any doubts. I really don't. Um, I if I was the Seahawks. I would draft CJ Stroud. I would draft him over Bryce Young because I worry that Bryce Young's career is going to be short because of injuries. That you're going to end up in a situation like Chad Pennington, where he played great for like three years and then he got a shoulder injury and then he was okay for a couple of years and then he got another injury and then he was kind of done. Um, and whereas with Stroud, Stroud's a guy that I think is going to have a long career. Uh, I would draft Stroud first. But I also know Young's a, a more a more ready player. He's he yeah. just is. So I agree. All right, let let's talk about Will Levis, the third quarterback on most big boards. Um, I've got mine flip flopped a little bit um, from that, and I can talk about that. But let's talk about Will Levis out of mm-hmm. Kentucky. Six three, two hundred thirty two pounds, runs a four seven two forty ish. There's not a consensus on this player, at least not in the established media. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where clubs view him. I've heard some things about um, that are not in such a positive light as far as his playing style and, and his uh, turnover ratio and all that kind of stuff. Others, There are others in other camps that are saying he's the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft, runs a, a scheme in college that was uh, somewhat equal to Seattle and San Francisco and the Rams as far as the uh, the play calling, the terminology, the mm-hmm. looks at the line of scrimmage and so forth. Uh, transition for uh, Will Levis into the NFL might not be as steep as some. Uh, and he's so, got all of the athletic profile that you want to, you look for in a quarterback. He's got the strong arm. He's got the ability to move in the pocket. Uh, diagnose plays and fit the ball into almost uh, any spot on the field. Yeah. So with, with Will Levis, um, what you're going to look at as, and, and what's really going to give you, give people pause. And I think this is what's going to give you pause is his completion percentage, um, which is like a 56%. Um, Over over two years too. Yeah. Um, And people are going to look at that and be like, Ooh, that's that, that's a, that's a red flag. Right. And it, it kind of is. Um, he also played for Kentucky, and Kentucky is typically the worst team in their conference. Not the last couple of years because they've had Will Levis, but you're talking about um, in past years being Oregon State in the Pac-12, or last year being Colorado in the Pac-12, um, and you have a talent. Everything that I said about Stroud having superior talent at every position than your than your opponent, Will Levis had a talent deficiency at every position around him compared to the opponent, um, and that is 
going to cause problems. He was under pressure a lot. They didn't have much of a running game. Um, they didn't, they couldn't protect him very well. He didn't have receivers that could get open and create separation. Um, he willed that team into being good. Uh, something that came out to, okay, I'm aging myself here a little bit. When Matt Ryan came out, there was a lot of questions about him. His arm strength was a little weak and whatever. And uh, I looked at him and I said, how many quarterbacks from, from you know top schools make it in the NFL? Most of the NFL starting quarterbacks at that time were coming out of schools who had to deal with adversity around them constantly. Matt Ryan came out of Boston College. Not exactly a powerhouse. Okay. Not exactly a mid-tier team. They're generally pr pretty bad, but it gave him, he, he never had a clean pocket. He knew how to throw off platform. He didn't have, right. He, he didn't have guys that were beating everyone through throwing to open guys. I get that same feeling from Levis where he, it looks <laughs> like he could be a better pro stat wise than he was a college player because he's already playing without a clean pocket on every play, Right. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud don't have that. They have to learn how to play without a clean pocket. And now, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. to see what prop bets will be boosted. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So one of the things that you mentioned about C.J. Stroud <clears throat> was that it's hard to evaluate a quarterback with such great talent around him. Well, mm -hmm. I would argue that it's really hard to evaluate a quarterback that doesn't have any talent around him either. There's no talent around him. <laughs> yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little, uh, a little hope here. And, and Levis completed 65% of his passes, not 56% of his passes in 2022. 2,400 yards, 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That's the part that worries me a little bit. In 2021, same sort of thing uh, was, in his it debut. Was lower. It was lower as far as his pass. Um, I'll have to double check. My, my numbers I've got right now in front of me say 65%, but I'll double check that. I, uh, I, in, if, it's, if it's that high, draft a kid. Holy cow. In, in 2021, <laughs> his debut season with Kentucky, he completed 66% of his passes, 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's the part that I'm having a hard time with a little bit. The interceptions, it's the holding the ball too long, throwing in tight windows, throwing uh, turnover-worthy throws, uh, taking bad sacks, um, and, and some pressure situation things that kind of give me a little pause. I will say that the athletic upside, the arm, the stature, the uh, command, uh, not flinching in the pocket and so forth, those are all great attributes for him. You're right with the talent around him. That's what makes it harder to evaluate some of those things that I just mentioned as far as holding the ball, taking bad sacks, forcing throws and so forth. 
you're going to do that when you start to press, when you're trying to get your team over the hump, when you're not having any help, when your offensive line is a sieve and you're having to, to deal with that as well as try to make plays down the field. It's just really hard. So all that said, I'm just not quite comfortable as a quarterback talent evaluator to draft Will Levis. Um, I need a little bit of help uh, with regards to that, to, to get me over the hump, feeling good. If Seattle were to pull the trigger at five um, and, and Will Levis was the, was the kid, I would say, okay, I'm in uh, because Seattle's done their due diligence. Um, John Schneider has shown, even if he hasn't drafted quarterbacks, he's shown interest in quarterbacks to a level where I know he's on the right track with yeah, being if- able to evaluate talent. And if, yep. if, if he's, he's their guy, I'm in. If he if there's a quarterback that he's in on in the draft, they tend to um, be tremendous professionals. Um, the two most notable quarterbacks, well, the two quarterbacks that we know for certain that he was 100% in on have been uh, Josh Allen and uh, Patrick Mahomes. And he drafted like Russell he was, Wilson. And he, I mean, he was ready to trade Russell Wilson for Josh Allen. Um, according to at least one report. So yeah, he clearly, he clearly is uh, a guy that can evaluate quarterbacks. I'm not, if he turns around and drafts any of these guys, including the guy that we're going to talk about next, that I am not sold on in any way. Um, like, uh, you know, I'm going to have to, to, I'm going to have to go, okay, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? Um, uh, because if he thinks that, like I said, the guy that we're going to talk about in a minute is the guy. He knows more about this than I do, and I'm going to have to go, okay, I must have missed something. Well, also, we can start to talk about draft position as well now. Uh, Seattle has a pick number five overall in the draft. We also have pick 20. We also Mm -hmm. have a pick 37, I believe. Mm -hmm. So we have some flexibility there to move around. So we've got some draft capital. We can move back from five. Maybe we feel more comfortable drafting a certain quarterback at 10 as opposed to five, or maybe it's the 20th pick. We can move up or back from there and so forth and so on. So the guy that Keith's alluding to is Anthony Richardson, the kid out of Florida, 6'4", 236 pounds, projected to run a high 4'8", you know, 4'9 range uh, speed-wise. He has elite arm strength. Oh, he's going to run faster than that. Big physical frame. Incredibly he's going to run faster raw. than that. Well, I, he's projected at four or five. I'm saying oh. he, he, I, there's talk of him being in the four, four, five range. You, you, okay. You said four, eight, four, nine. Oh, not four, eight. I'm sorry. Four, four, eight. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way he's that slow. Four, four, eight. <laughs> four, four, there eight. you go. But four, in summary, eight. I mean, Richardson needs polish, but his upside exceeds everyone in this draft class, but he's a low floor high ceiling prospect and you can look that up on Webster's dictionary because that's exactly what he is. He's low floor, highest ceiling possible. And you just don't know yet because he just doesn't have enough experience. And what he did show was raw. And he's got one year where he was a, um, one year as a full-time starter, um, Mm -hmm. in which he completed under 54% of his passes. Mm Mm-hmm. 
uh, a yards per completion or yards per attempt of 7.8 per uh, yards, which is terrible for a college quarterback. Do you see and, any of and, his wide receivers and running backs getting drafted in the NFL along with him this year? Um, not not I don't know. Not many. Uh, I will say that the talent, talent around him. the talent around Anthony Richardson is better than the talent around Will Levis. Um, is it substantially better? No, but it is better. Um, he's got, there are guys in Miami, um, sorry, in Florida that, um, will be drafted. I don't know if there's anyone on offense in Kentucky other than Will Levis that will get drafted. Like not even just this year, but next year or the year. Well, after. Chris Rodriguez, the running back is going to get drafted for sure. And their, uh, Ricky Stromberg, uh, their center is probably going to get drafted. Maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, he only threw 17 touchdowns to nine interceptions, right? Yeah. There's a lot to look at this at, at, and be. He also ran for 629 yards and nine touchdowns as well. True. And the reason why he was a starting quarterback was because of his ability to run. Yeah. He, I mean, he was not, a dynamic guy for sure. Yep. Absolutely. It, it wasn't for his great, ability to he throw He had the great ball. games though. I mean, he threw for 453 yards against Tennessee, had a great win against them. Beat mm-hmm. LSU, Keith. Um, you know, it, it's he's wins aren't a quarterback stat. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, so I don't. But he had great, he had and great games in those games. Yep, Tennessee had a Tennessee didn't have a great defense, but he did. LSU did. LSU had a, had a, a pretty good defense, and he um, put up some numbers there, and put up some numbers there in a game in which the guys around him were less talented than the guys in the, uh, that they're playing against. Um, and so there are, and he's got, if you watch highlights and not watch game film, Anthony Richardson looks like the best quarterback prospect since, I don't know, Elway. And and it's, even re- disregarding every mistake that he ever made, just those, that upside stuff is enough for teams to be salivating over him and, possibly not letting him leave the first round just because of the ceiling stuff. It's yep. not, in uh, and, and that's where I think you and I disagree slightly. It's not the prospect stuff and the mistakes and all that stuff. I see that as well. I'm just saying the upside is so high that I don't believe that he's going to get past Seattle's pick at 20 because Agreed. Somebody's going to give him a job in the NFL and let him figure it out. And, and he if, needs a year. He does. He's, he's highly inaccurate. But beyond that, he's, he's got so there, many tools. If he's sitting there at 20 and Seattle didn't draft a quarterback at five, they went into another position. I agree with you. I think Seattle will take him. And if the if and if John Snyder is willing to say, yep, this is a guy, I'm going to, I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't see it. But I'm going to trust it because I trust Snyder's ability to do quarterbacks, and I don't see him right. getting past. I don't see him getting past somewhere, you know, twenty. Uh, in the, in I just that don't. range, yeah, I yep. agree. I agree in that range. So, so let's talk about one one more guy that I think kind of fits in the same sort of conversation, but for a completely different uh, reason. And that I think Seattle also takes a look at Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee, and, as they absolutely should. And the reason. And Hannon Hooker is the opposite of of Anthony Richardson as far as accuracy and 
taking care of the ball and all that kind of stuff. He's a much more polished prospect, but he hurt his ACL in the second to last game of the season, probably out in 2024 for any NFL team realistically. Um, but, but here's a guy that if he hadn't been hurt, possibly would have won the Heisman and mm-hmm. would have been a first round talent and gone above Anthony Richardson. And I think a guy like Hendon Hooker's in play for Seattle because Seattle doesn't have to use a first round pick, maybe not even a second round pick. And if it is a second round pick, it's probably their, 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 their fourth pick overall at 58 where they would mm-hmm. consider a guy like Hendon Hooker if he's there. And if Seattle were to take him, I'm with you on the John Schneider comment earlier on Anthony Richardson. I would be like, hey, we, we're drafting this kid. We don't need him to play right away. We've got Geno Smith under contract. We're looking ahead in, into 2024. We're going to let him learn the, the system, uh, heal his ACL, and and compete next year. I would be all over that because that would be a perfect scenario, I think, for Seattle. Uh, agreed. I mean, this is a guy who's 6'4", 218, um, you know, completed 69.6% of his passes in 2022 before his injury, yeah. 27 touchdowns to two interceptions. Let me, um, let me, let me say this. Hold on. Two-year combo to over the last two years, 6,080 mm-hmm. yards, 70% completion, 58 touchdowns, five interceptions, 58 touchdowns. Five interceptions. This is at Tennessee. A thousand fifty yards rushing, ten touchdowns, wins against Florida, LSU, and Alabama in twenty twenty two before tearing his ACL. Yeah, that's the quarterback. That's the kind of thing where you get the value. You kind of pounce on that if you're Seahawk general manager because you're filling out your first three picks with really filling your roster, which we need to do, and then you go get a guy that you can kind of have the luxury pick. We've got five in the top one hundred. You take one of those luxury picks in the fourth pick overall that you've got and you spend it on a guy that you, you can uh, marinate a little bit. And I think it, it could end up being the best situation for Seattle. Okay. Here's the, here's the rub on hooker. And the reason why I am not sold, he is 25. Yeah. He's 25. Yeah. Turned 25 last month. And so, and as, as down as I am on Anthony Richardson, he's 21. <laughs> right. He is yes. four years right. younger. He will be at the end of his rookie contract with four years in the yeah. NFL of learning pro football before he is the same age as Hendon Hooker. Hendon right Hooker will be 30 now. years old in his second contract. Yeah, that's, I, a big, that's a big issue. You know, it's a big issue. That, it's a huge issue. And if you look at guys that, um, guys that's that are why drafted, he's going to go in the fifty in the between say pick fifty and eighty. I don't and Hooker. I don't know if he goes that early. Combination of he he won't play his rookie year because he's injured and he's old. So the first time you're going to get. Uh, where he's going to enter the year under, as your starting quarterback, the first time you're going to be able to count on him, he's not going to be, he's not, it's not until he's 26 years old. Yeah, everything you're saying is completely true. I'll, I, I will say this Jim Nagy came out and said that uh, he absolutely completely nailed his interview process at the Super Bowl and teams true. love him. And they, if you look at it, watch him play, he, <laughs> Tennessee 
was they beat Alabama. They were a national powerhouse. They were the team that if anyone's going to compete with Georgia, it was going to be Tennessee. And the moment he got hurt, that team looked terrible. He made Tennessee look fantastic, and they didn't have the talent. This is a phenomenal player. I will say that guys getting drafted at 25, the success rate of those players is significantly lower than uh, than the rest of the NFL guys. Yeah. There is there is no track record whatsoever of guys his age having NFL success. So let's keep the conversation going. So I think that's in play for Seattle for the reasons that we stated. Obviously, the downside is the is the age thing. We're not going to get around that. Uh, that's why I think 58 would be the earliest I would consider him. If he's sitting there at 86 where we have our fourth or our fifth overall pick in the draft, I'd feel much better. 86 is where he belongs. Honestly, if, if he's there at 86, you go ahead. That's that's a third-round pick. You take him. You let him sit for a year and, and get healthy or part, at least part of a year and get healthy before you bring him in. I actually think that he is a great fit for a team like Houston. Um, but they will, they'll draft a court, they'll back draft Bryce young um, in the first round and they'll skip him. But it, a, a smart team would be like the, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers right in, in the third, early in the third round uh, or late in the, in the second where they've got guys, they know they can win with, even if they suck, um, and you give Hooker a year to develop and and heal, and then you run out your franchise quarterback and and look great doing it. Um, yeah, I, and I'm I, not so concerned about the uh, the age. I I am obviously, but uh, um, if you can get two contracts out of a quarterback like this, I'd feel pretty good about the draft pick, especially if you're getting them in the third round, you know, or 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 later. Um, cause you're still going to get eight years of production out of, out of a player. And, you know, that's, that's all you can really hope for in the NFL. It's just that early development time, you know, for a quarterback. It's, it's, uh, it's a big thing. All right. So Tanner uh, McKee is my next quarterback on the list. Six overall Stanford, uh, Stanford, six, six, 230. He's got zero mobility. He has issues <laughs> with, uh, with accuracy and he's not going to run at all. He's going to sit in the pocket. He's a more traditional uh, pocket quarterback. If your team's looking for that, great. He might be your guy. I don't want him in Seattle. but If you're looking for a guy who has the mobility of Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, he's your, he's your guy. And I'm, that's not a compliment. <laughs> yeah, and it works for some, for some teams. It does, but yep. I see him as more of a, a backup guy. He's not um, a guy that I, he's not a, he's, he doesn't fit Seattle's system. What they've done, you know, bringing in Waldron and, and establishing this offense, they need a guy that can roll out, throw on the run, those kind of things. That's who they want. And, um, he's not it. He's just not yeah. it. He's like Mike Glennon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's a few other guys. We're getting deeper now into the, fourth, fifth, sixth undrafted range. Jaron Hall, the BYU quarterback. He's also an older prospect, 6'1", 205. Understand a year, that... A year younger than Hooker. 
understand that he had uh, an opportunity to go into the senior bowl and impress and he did not true um and then jake hayner uh fresno state 6'1 200 pounds had an opportunity to go into the senior bowl and impress and he did he's a um, guy i'm i am really high on jake hayner compared to other guys and i get that um that's not a popular take most people are like nah don't worry about it like He's an undrafted guy. I don't think that's true. I'm higher on Jake Hayner than than a lot of people are. I think he has starting caliber ceiling. Yeah, he's kind of like a Gardner Minshew, you know. Play, yeah. He played at Washington State, but a smaller college guy, Fresno State. Not a lot of weapons around. He, uh, good, strong arm, gritty, uh, nice touch. Um, doesn't have the, the huge uh, long ball arm talent. But he can get the job done, and but he's I see him more as a backup guy in the NFL. He's but smart, he spreads the ball around. He's accurate. Um, he gets the ball out quickly when he needs to. He sounds a lot like a guy named Brock Purdy. Yeah, doesn't have the biggest arm, right? But it didn't seem to I mean, matter. If you, in can San get, if, you if you can make Jake Hayner a, a system quarterback, a, a point guard. Um, that's great. He's not going to give not, you a lot of mobility. I mean, he's got four, eight speed or whatever, but oh yeah, he's not going to go. He's not going to be a running course. This isn't a read option guy, but he can roll out. He can throw in the run. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my list really. I mean, the kid from Purdue's on, on here, the, the kid from Shepard that nobody's heard about um, that played in the senior bowl is, is, is on the list, but you're wasting your time there. I mean, he's a guy that, guys. yeah, there is an undrafted guy. Um, I'm, you know, people will talk Stetson Bennett's name will come up because he played for Georgia, but he also played for Georgia. We know who he is, right? Everybody's seen him play. He's not a great NFL prospect. No. Um, right. So that's it. And then, I mean, really, um, the one guy that I think will draw some attention and rightfully so as a drafted player would be Max, um, Dugan. Yeah. the quarterback out of TCU because TCU's offense was yeah. legit. And that's not, a, that's not a super talented team. They made it to the national title game in large part because of he was Dugan's, a player. Dugan's ability to run that offense and be really smart with the football over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Um, he may, he won't get drafted high. I mean, we're talking like a sixth round pick, but someone is going to draft him. And I think someone's going to draft him and then be happy that they did because I see him more as a backup who might come in and surprise you if he gets a chance to play. Uh, But there's some talent there. There is. So back to the top. So we had Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, uh, Hendon Hooker. That's our top five. Uh, likely the top five and as far as the picks go uh, as they come off the board. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your feelings on where Seattle's at? I mean, obviously they've got to make a decision on Gino it, from all sides, including Gino's uh, statements around the Pro Bowl that happened this weekend. Sounds like they're making progress. Things yep. are probably going to happen. They're going to get, um, they're going to get Gino signed. I, I'm expecting them to get Gino signed soon. And the reason why I say that, I was thinking about this because I know you and I were talking about, oh, maybe they'll slow play it and let him go test the market and whatever. They don't want Joe Burrow and um, 
some of the other like guys that are hitting their second contract to go out and set a market that's $60 million and then think, oh, well, if there were 60, Gino's worth at least 30, right? And then have that be what screws up the negotiation. I think they want his deal done before um, those things happen. Interesting. All right. So say they sign Gino. It's a three-year deal. Uh, The first two years look like they're pretty much guaranteed. So um, what do they do in the draft as far as a quarterback? Do they skip the position altogether uh, and ride one one or two more seasons with what they've got with Gino, Drew Locke, and maybe reevaluate in the 2024-2025 draft where they wouldn't have necessarily the draft capital up at the top of the draft? Or do they take advantage of their position currently and uh, and this class and a couple of players that they might find attractive? It'll come down to Pete Carroll. If Pete Carroll says, I want to win right now because I'm done in two years, they'll wait and they'll draft um, a guy like Jake Hayner or Max Dugan late in the dra- late in the draft and run with Gino and see, hope that they can develop a guy. If Pete Carroll is still saying, no, I'm not close. Then I think they, even if they sign um, Gino, I think they, they, they invest a pick on a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson. Wow. Because they, it's a, it's one of those investments. You know, you've got Gino for two years. You can let Anthony Richardson develop for a couple of years. Especially if he's a first round pick. He'll still only be 23. And on a five-year deal. Yeah. Um, so he'll still only be 23. As much as like I have said such, I have been so negative on Richardson. Um, if John Snyder's negative on Richardson, then don't draft him. Like take him off your board. Yeah. If, if John Snyder likes Anthony Richardson, I am going to just say there's something about him. I didn't see, and I'm going to wait it out because I well, think the part that you didn't see is probably going to be in the interview process. Exactly. You know, Cause he's going to kill it on the field. He's going to kill it in the, uh, in oh, the, the combine. Com- the combine is going to be like, he's just going to be, he's going to stand right. out. He's just right. going to be one of those guys. And everyone's going to be like, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But if he's, if he's killing it in the classroom, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's the big, that's the big, if he's thing. in there impressing, NFL scouts with his and in GMs with his ability to diagnose stuff on the board and draw out plays and be like, Hey, well, if I see this, I'm going here and here's why. And, and all of those kind of things he's getting drafted, you know, he won't get out of the top 10. If I he agree. goes in, if he goes in there and looks like an idiot, he won't be drafted in the second round. <laughs> right. Um, he'll fall. He'll fall. I don't understand why he's fallen, you know, and he's, you know, pick 40 overall. That was, that was probably it. Um, okay, cool. I saw a really, I saw a really bad, um, NFL comp for him that made me cringe and it was Christian Hackenberg. And if you, if you don't, if you don't know who that is, go look him up. Yeah. I recognize Uh, the name, but I can't place it. Hack is a guy that was a second round pick and was inaccurate as inaccurate could be, but super athletic and never developed into anything. Listen, I, I look out. at him more like a, a more, more recent guy as Cam Newton. I mean, he's got the physical Actually, attributes. Cam, Cam Newton's not a bad 
uh, Cam, Cam Newton went one overall because he played for a winning team and he showed significantly better accuracy than Richard Richardson has. But his size, his ability to run power football as a as a runner, yes. and and the arm, his ability to complete the deep pass, he's a the true dual threat. Like Cam Newton is not a bad comp. I just, I just know that as I go deeper into this process and we get to the combine stuff, I'm going to be drooling over this player and (laughs) I'm not going to be able to help myself. I'm going to have to wear a bib on the show because it's just going to (laughs) be, it's going to be stupid. I mean, you know, because I can, I can see a guy like that in Seattle system. It just Mm -hmm. helps everything flow if your accuracy is there, if you're not turning the ball over and you can run the ball like that. Oh my God. There's the question if the accuracy is there and you don't turn the ball over and he hasn't shown that those are true true whereas hendon hooker if he wasn't four years older his accuracy is there and he doesn't turn the ball over (laughs) i just don't know what i'm looking at as far as the coaching staff at florida and what what where he's come from all that stuff i mean it's you got to dig a little deeper to get to get there it's hard it's hard at the florida schools right now just all of them because the coaching staffs at Florida, Florida State, and Miami have all been in flux. And um, it's hard. Yep. So this is the first of many uh, series with regards to prospects in the NFL draft. I'm sure we'll dial these up uh, at least one one a week um, until we get to the until we get to April, mm-hmm. um, which is really not that far away, a couple months. And nope. then we'll, we'll be there. Yeah, we we may take a break a little bit when when free agency begins, just to cover all the news and and yep. possible signings and that kind of stuff. But if we do a position group per show on this, you we can't take too many breaks, or we won't be done by yeah, um, that's true by April. Yeah, and and we will take a little bit of a break, and we'll we'll probably get done with the offensive side of the ball before free agency. We'll take the break, and then we'll come back and we'll do defense. Yeah, fun. Fun stuff. All right, let's get out of here. Find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. You know where the show's at. And uh, when you find it at Seahawks Playbook Podcast, you can hit the subscribe button. That would be very helpful. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWC Hawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.